Welcome to Chaotic Harmony. My name is John. This is Crystal. We talk about the joys and the challenges of teaching music in the elementary school classroom. We share struggles, we brainstorm solutions, and we would love to have you join us. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another week of Chaotic Harmony. Hey, hey. Hi. Good to see y'all, or hear you all, or see you at least. I can see you. Yeah. I can't see them. I can imagine. I can imagine the crowd behind you. I can imagine them too. That's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so let's talk to our audience. So... Welcome How's to the it table. going? It's going well. Um, we have talked. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the audience. Oh, okay. How's it going? That's awkward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't make it weird, John. John. Oh, I make it weird all the time. He does. He's good at that. Um, oh, we are going yeah. to. <laughs> no. You're fired. Okay. okay. Then it was one. <laughs> all right. We are going to talk today about culture. Yes. Um, and it's something that we... Small topic. Yeah. Well, we've talked about it a lot, yeah. um, but I don't think we've talked about just the two of us yet. So let's dig into it. It's true. Yeah. yeah. It's come up as like a, a tangent. Tangent we've also talked about with a lot of people as well. We have. And then talk... Yeah. So... Okay. Yeah. So our entire district is doing mm-hmm. a book study on culturally responsive teaching in the brain by um, Zaretta Hammond, mm-hmm. and it is... An excellent book. I cannot recommend it enough. I seriously think every everybody who works with kids needs to read this book. Definitely. Yeah. Works with people, really? Yeah. It's Anyone true. who works with people, it's important. But well, it's geared towards educators. Yeah. Um, there's there's excellent stuff in it for anybody working with humans. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and today we're specifically going to talk about chapter two, and she gets into um, her definitions of culture. So we have talked before about being music teachers and being a really integral part of shaping school culture. We've talked about um, trying to meet our kiddos where they are, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as culturally responsive teachers. And we have talked about creating a culture of movement and music as forms of communication mm-hmm. with David Frigo. Hi, David. Hey, David. Um, and we talked about um, creating the culture within our classroom as a safe place. And so today we're going to talk about breaking down being um, culturally responsive teachers in a more in-depth way for mm-hmm. our students. So this is a big topic. And this is really hard, I think, um, when you are responsible for teaching an entire school. Very much so. Even if you think about just one classroom. Yeah. Like, even for general ed teachers, that is very difficult because you're teaching at maximum 31 students. And those 31 students have their own microcosms of the culture. And, like, how do you not just talk about it, how do you not just respect, but also work with it? Like, right. We, I remember, like, the last um, – before we went on break, we talked about how do we create uh, a culture or how do we create a – um, curriculum acknowledging holidays, but also acknowledging people who don't celebrate holidays. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. That is tough. It's how tough do you topic. prioritize that? Right. Well, and so... And how do you do that in 35 minutes uh, a yeah, week? <laughs> right. 35 minutes a week for 400 kids. Um, I loved reading this chapter and I found it just so incredibly helpful. So the the title of the chapter is what's culture got to do with it understanding i know right real earworm (laughs) Uh, understanding the deep roots of culture i really appreciated that um and she talks about the three layers of culture so i want to make sure that i do this right so i'm going to read it out of the book um so she talks about surface culture shallow culture and deep culture so um she mentions how in the past people have talked about this like an iceberg we've all seen the picture of the Uh iceberg where it's like really little on the top but most of the iceberg is below Below the surface of the water 
culture. So surface culture is like um, how people dress, what their holidays are, what their food is like. Those are the things where if you were to go take a trip to that country, that's what you would observe. The first thing that comes to right. prevalent Your first life. impression, uh-huh. yeah, of the things that make up a culture. So when we have these conversations about holidays and, you know, music in yes. our classrooms, we're talking about surface culture, and that's the tip of the iceberg. Um, and then shallow culture is um, nonverbal communication and um, courtesy, attitude, tone. Um, so th- those are like the the ways we interact with each other yeah. and the rules that guide those social interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are, um, and, and that has everything to do with like how you treat nature and how you uh, talk to elders in your community and what your idea of respect is. So um, we're talking about shallow culture when we uh, when we're in the teacher's lounge and we hear somebody say, oh those kids are just so disrespectful or right, uh, right or you know you heard you know about uh, uh-huh uh <laughs> or um or even teaching um certain certain groups of people um like we pick up our trash and we put it you know in a receptacle or we um or we separate our recycling from our other trash like that's right. that's shallow culture stuff mm-hmm. um and so i guess even when you're teaching things like procedures that seem natural in a classroom, like you have to sign out and take the bathroom pass, like that's a that's a shallow culture piece that somebody from a homeschool environment wouldn't know about. Right. Yeah. Very much so. And then there's deep culture, and that's the um, that's the the most of the iceberg that is below the surface. And so that one is the unconscious assumptions and the worldview that mm-hmm. you come from. And so that's like why we do these things, but you couldn't even articulate it unless you really dug deep. Dug deep, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it kind of correlates with um, last November, we, it was uh, Philippine American History Month. Mm-hmm. And people were really pushing, do not do Philippine American Heritage Month, be it History Month. Okay. And the difference, the difference is like, we're, it's not like, oh, we're going to, you know, eat lumpia and we're going to do, talk about sneakling, learning those dances. It's very much, let's learn the history. Uh-huh. And that attributes to having a sense of empathy to that lower culture. Because if yeah. you know the history, then the heritage isn't just things that people do, but mm-hmm. it's then... You have a sense, if you're not part of that culture, you at least can to some degree empathize or to some degree recognize or some degree understand what, why it's important. Yeah. The deeper levels. That makes a lot of sense. I think about, you know, I'm a, my, my family came from Ireland and Scotland a long time ago and we've really lost all of, all of the things that, um, that made up. Uh, you know the the early culture because they felt that they had to assimilate so yes. quickly. Their name, uh, the last name, was changed at Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. Um, they dropped their accent as quickly as possible, um, and so I have no connection at all when I go to um, Celtic festivals and I see people in particular dress. Mm-hmm. But when I read diaries of my family that came over, um, and I and I learn about you know. Um, Gaelic customs and Celtic uh, customs and and really the meaning behind their holidays and the things that they did, that resonates like in my bones. And so I get that. Uh, On that level, I understand it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because also when you do heritage, it's easy to just be... It's easy for us to place our own paradigms and our own perspectives upon things that have so much a deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. And then it can kind of just get... What it do, turns into a costume. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or a play. Yeah. And I think that there is a place for that. Um, 
when especially when you're learning about your own very much so Mm -hmm. um but learning the history and learning it's the the levels it's the levels yeah yeah so it's it's not like it's bad but it's also there's much more to it (laughs) yeah yeah don't think that you're a culturally responsive teacher because you brought Uh lumpia and (laughs) right i've done i've done my check mark yeah right there we go right and saying a song in tagalog yeah yeah Mm -hmm. there's more there's more there's more but wait but wait, <laughs> there's more. Um, so what I really loved about um, Zaretta Hammond's model, so she she has an awesome illustration where she says, you know, people have talked about culture before with that iceberg model that I just talked about. And she took it further and she turned it into a tree. Um, and you should get this book and read it because I don't have time and to go through all the things yeah. that she talked about. But what I found really helpful was she she talked about how whenever she was teaching groups of teachers, um, and she she's talking about general classroom teachers. Somebody will always ask, well, if I have you know thirty kids in my classroom, how am I supposed to be a culturally responsive teacher when there's nineteen different cultures represented? Mm-hmm. And they're thinking about that surface culture or shallow culture. They're like, do I have to acknowledge all those holidays? Do I have to um, have a song from every single culture? And I, that's how I've thought about holidays in the past. That's how I've thought about like being a culturally responsive teacher. But she says, you know, first we need to get into deep culture. And she talks about um, the two uh, the two main cultural paradigms that we need to be aware of, the two archetypes. And those are collectivism or individualism. Can you expound upon that? Yes. So in <laughs> so they're just the core values that you really can break when it when you break down the deeply held beliefs of cultures they come down to are you a collectivist who believes that we all need to work together and there's an interdependency upon each other and so you don't just function by yourself everything you do affects your family everything you do affects you know everybody around you that you love Mm -hmm. or are you an individualist where you're focused on getting as far as you can go and developing your own excellence and so if you think about the united states we're very much an individualist. Very much so. Very much. But then you talk to a lot of um, a, a lot of kids, especially from immigrant families. Like I would I would say that um, my husband's Dutch family, um, who he's you know first generation American born, they were very much more about collectivist within their own little family unit, and they assimilated very quickly. Um, so I would say the next generations were very quickly individualist. But when you go back to the stories that are told of that first group, you know, they did everything together. Yeah. And um, and if somebody got a job uh, and they, you know, they earned the money, that wasn't their money. That was the right. family's money, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I find it really helpful to kind of frame it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because all our kids, all our family, all, all the individuals in our classroom have their own parents yeah you're right they're associated in different ways and so yeah yeah, i definitely grew up in a collectivist mindset yeah um with (laughs) it's interesting uh being both uh, my my dad being um second generation japanese Mm -hmm. you know uh, but growing in that culture but also growing in a very american culture my grandfather was a naval officer and so this is i'm sure all plays a role and so i I see both I'm not unique, but I see both sides. So. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but so it's it's very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and I think I was thinking about this in um, relationship to coming out of distance learning, and I think we saw pretty starkly 
um, those over distance learning. I'm thinking about a lot of our fifth and sixth graders that had to log into class with a baby on their lap, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and, and part of that was just, you know, necessity. It's yep. like, we all have to rely on each other, but there were some of our kids who were like in the middle of a whole lot of family doing a whole lot of life together yep. all around a dining table or yep. wherever it was that they were. Um, and so we're kind of dealing with that cultural divide and that individualist and the collectivist mindset more than ever. But not just that, but also I think about the notion of collect, because what you addressed was very important. Mm -hmm. But if we go deeper, um, what I saw during distance learning wasn't just people behind, you know, at at tables, but also like, I think about equity. I think about, um, I think about those who had, Ability mm-hmm. to utilize, um, you to utilize uh, internet uh, bandwidth had better bandwidth than others who had better yeah. means than others, and I it really brought to my attention. I don't want this to be a individualist is better than collectivist or collectivist is better than individualist, but no, I definitely saw a lot of harm from the individualist side. Again, I know collectivists can have. I collectivism has its its downfalls. Every culture has its own weaknesses. Yes, and but this is not saying that one culture is better than the other. Not at all. But I definitely did see a lot of the woes of the individual. Like, not the woes, but like a lot of harms when people focused on the individual. Uh huh. Um, and then the rest of the community suffered. Uh, I think that that's the that's the soup that we're steeped in we're most, st- and so we we know it. You know, that's our culture, and so mm-hmm. of course we can pick it apart. Um, you know, and it's fair for us to pick it apart. And also, I think coming out of 2020, yeah, that's something that's just very prevalent in our heads. Mm-hmm. But um, I think so too. Yeah, I, I think as educators, if we want to take the the take, um, be a culturally culturally responsive teacher, it's not just what happens in the classroom, uh-huh. but also recognizing what happens at home not not but not just at home but also in our community as a whole yeah that's true and it's, it's, it's a hard topic it is a hard topic and it kind of blows your mind a little bit when you start getting into it and something that she talks about um towards the end of the chapter that i think is really important to mention is that um there there has been a lot of conversation about um the culture of poverty and um and she warns that it we we should not be looking at coping mechanisms as culture that that is very different. Yeah. And so um, I think that, that that's really relevant to this conversation as well. Um, and I'm, I'm not articulating it perfectly. Um, I know that. Uh, I feel like I'm stumbling through it a little bit because this is kind of a new way for me to think. Okay. Um, but it was really helpful for me to kind of sort out what I learned about my students and how different their family life is. Um, through their interaction with distance learning and through having their families just that much more involved mm-hmm. um, because they were right there on the other side of the screen. Um, and it just highlighted for me uh, that these little people are um, are part of a much bigger context when they walk into my room. And so when they walk into my room and they're coming all wrapped up in their own cultural context, how can I reach them? And what sort of a things and what, what sort of things do I need to say? How does my language need to change? Um, and how does my own attitude need to change? And what sort of things do I take for granted as a teacher that I expect them to know already that they don't understand because they don't know the rules of my culture that I'm filtering my teaching through? That's what I was thinking about. A lot of gears. I know. There's so many different places we could go with it, huh? 
It's interesting because with as music teachers, we we do this big collectivist thing. We make music together, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. But um, the culture that we were raised in and that we had our music education in is very much an individualist um, if you're not a, mindset. If, if you're not a first generation uh, immigrant teacher, yes, very much so. Well, I'm just thinking about like band. <laughs> first chair mm -hmm. you know we have true yeah there's there's your rock stars. Oh, okay the, the, the very conservatory approach of yes. teaching music gotcha, gotcha yes yes yeah very much so and i think mm -hmm. i think there needs to be a balance for sure yeah um i, I think that's yeah I, I i think that's one of the beauties uh again i come from a i come from a collectivist culture i i, I would say that i come mm -hmm. from a collectivist culture mm -hmm. with bits and pieces of individualist mm -hmm. i will yeah okay cool i just Establish it right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but because of that, that's why I really resonate with your approach because it does bring into the fold everyone. And in doing so, it does have a lot of harms. You are dealing with everyone with different, you know, um, you're dealing with everyone. Those who are on the top will, will quote unquote suffer mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's, they're being brought down by those who are not as strong. Mm -hmm. um, but it at least recon helps recognize everyone in the classroom is part of the same community. As mm -hmm. opposed to us, like one person just striving to be the best. Right, you're in and you're out. Yeah, and that's yeah. also one reason why I kind of pushed away from. I mean, it's a great, uh, it's a great. Um, what do you call it? Uh, curriculum, uh, recorded karate. Mm -hmm. But I've kind of pushed away from it because it loses the sense of. I mean, even though each individual is working towards getting their better uh, belts, it loses the sense of everyone working together to make music together. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a place for both, and I haven't found the perfect way to do it yet. With the time we have. We, yeah. Well, I think that, that's the biggest again, thing. Yeah. We don't have the time. And then it goes back to what I was saying I, in the last... I don't think it's fair to say that having a collectivist um, cultural mindset when you're going into making a music group means that you're not excellent. And so... That's true. I Yeah. Uh, and so that's that's not right either. <laughs> it's not. But like yeah. that, that is the mindset that a lot, that many people see because like, oh, yeah. because we're not... Because we're focusing on the whole sum as opposed to mm -hmm. like the... I don't know, excellent, auditioning people to make sure we only choose the, the, the those who are serious or like the, mm -hmm. the greater uh, performers. Like in doing, like we're not, we're still creating great music. Mm -hmm. We still can create great music. Mm -hmm. It just has to be taught differently. Right. In a way that doesn't leave people behind. Yes. Right. That's what, and that's what a good teacher should do is scaffold to ability level so that right. everyone can, can still play together, but it's tailored toward ability level. Right. Which might be my individualist culture talking, <laughs> but I'm not sure. I've been I've been really examining this. She did not write this book for music no, teachers. No, she did not. And so I have been. Uh, I've I've must have reread this chapter five times in the last couple of days, just really thinking about how I know this is relevant and how is this relevant for me and how is this relevant for how I run my music program and for how I take care of all 400 kids. I think also in music teacher paradigm, I think it's important not just to acknowledge other people's culture, but also for us to acknowledge our culture. Absolutely. And I think back to our conversation on episode something um, <laughs> before we went on break. <laughs> uh -huh. um, the frustration I had because I want to be able to teach everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can't. No. We just can't. Limited time. We are limited people with limited time with limited yeah. structures. 
Um, but we're big dreamers. We're big dreamers, exactly. And yeah. so I have to choose. Do I want to do, if we're going to bifurcate this into two kind of styles, individualist versus collectivist teaching. Mm-hmm. And I know this is not where Zerahim is going, but no, like this not. is this is something that just comes to the forefront of my mind. What am I going to do? Uh-huh. And in order, if I want to believe that all music, all students deserve the arts, uh-huh. all students are artistic, mm-hmm. then I am willing to take the quote unquote, not as good approach and bring everyone into the fold. It's just a lot more work. It is a lot. There you go. You it's hit the a, nail on the head. It's a lot more work. It because is a lot more work. Because you're asking students... Because when you work with the quote-unquote upper echelon, mm-hmm. first off, you're working with not just students of, I don't like the term talent. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of issues with that. But mm-hmm. you're working with, with students who have a higher prop, propensity mm-hmm. towards the musical arts. But also you're working with students with more means. Mm-hmm. They have, mm-hmm. you know, typically people who are, are quote-unquote more talented have means to work on their talent outside mm-hmm. of the classroom. Right. So... The thing is, you as the general ed music educator, you don't have to work as as hard because you are working with the higher echelon, and there are like, there are people that are interested, they're already engaged. Mm-hmm. By working with the whole classroom, you are working with kids who are not as curious, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But it takes a lot more work to get them curious. It does, and it takes more resources mm-hmm. and more trained humans. We cannot do it by ourselves. We can see it. We can we can see it. We can strategize yeah. it. We can even we name it. We label it, but we need the manpower. We need it. Yeah. yeah. We need, we just need more funding. <laughs> we need more funding. We need more trained humans. Yes. And which, and because funding. And the little funding. buy-in, you know, like other people got to see the vision too. Which is something that I've been prickling in my mind for a while. Uh-huh. I'll talk to you about, well, oh, I've, I've, okay. talked, I've talked with you about that already. Yeah. Um, yeah. But regardless, you're right. The buy-in's yeah. necessary. Yeah. Got to get people to catch resources the is necessary. The buy-in and the resources. And yeah. like, I again I truly do believe that every single child is artistic yeah and right now we are in a culture that believes that art artistry is based off of the final product Mm -hmm. and you see the people who again once again because meritocracy yeah very much and like that that's again capitalism (laughs) well I was gonna say individualist culture but sure there you go yeah they are both one they're not the one and the same but they're both intertwined Uh uh-huh they are and again there are, are benefits with with commerce Mm -hmm. (laughs) i will say that there are benefits with individualist culture as well right yeah but like because there are people who just don't have the they aren't bought in yet but they are artistic Mm -hmm. they just need help right there right and that's only going to happen if the whole if we teach the whole community yeah absolutely and that's our job as general music teachers that is our job our job is to reach all of them reach all of them and I've recently and recently decided that I'm not creating advanced choirs for two reasons. Mm-hmm. I, I had advanced choir for, for for a couple of years, which was really cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I auditioned, um, and I chose people who were quote unquote better singers mm-hmm. um, at the time. At least I, th- I thought so. But I'm deciding one. I don't. <laughs> I need some personal time. <laughs> yeah. But secondly, I'm glad that you decided that. <laughs> once again, I re- uh, reference Kirsten Oberoi. Uh-huh. Hi, um, and she was like, "We don't need an audition necessarily, like, because, like, again, if the ki- if kids are curious to join, they'll mm-hmm. the, the, you'll have a smaller choir." Yeah. But like, um, I 
Wow. Auditions aren't necessary. Auditions aren't necessary. I I don't want to. I don't want to choose people just based off of where they are at at that moment. Yeah. I want to bring everyone to the fold. Right. Yeah, yeah I've bombed auditions before. It's not a yeah. representative of uh, of my overall musicianship. It's a it it is representative of my comfort level in mm-hmm. that audition room and my uh, circumstances on any given day. Yeah. Yeah. The key part is making sure that we, yeah, how do we showcase, how do we showcase excellence with mm-hmm. everyone? Right. And what does that look like? And do we have to ch- not lower our standards, but change our standards? Yeah. Yeah. That's about being a more well-rounded, compassionate, grounded leader yourself. Yep. Yep. Funny how it all comes back to that. <laughs> it all comes yeah. back to your own level of compassion and love and emotional intelligence, which is like I've said before, that is that is my passion. That's I feel like that's my life's work. That's that's where I want I want to get into labeling that. How do we come the How do we become that kind of a leader who can actually see that, and who and gets how, that level of trust? And I, for me, how can I encourage other leaders to be that as well? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it's, what I'm saying. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, again, like just as much as we can't be on our own, yeah. we need more people to make sure that everyone else has it. We need, we just, the collective needs to be better. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. It does. Yeah. It sure does. Cool. Cool. Good talk. This is not done. It's not, oh, it's no. Not this done. is very no, much a beginning. It's not done. I, yeah. Yeah. So go check the book, read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, let us know your thoughts. I'm mm-hmm. really curious because, like, we just talked about one bit on chapter two, <laughs> um, and I'd be uh-huh. curious if you've read the book already. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know. And this... we took this entire conversation in a different direction than she was going. We did, um, yeah. But it's it's made me think, and I'm curious to know what what you guys think about about the chapter. What did you get out of it? And mm-hmm. then what it what's your take on this conversation? And when you do do that, make sure you email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail.com. And while you're at it. To make sure that this keeps on going, because you know, because once again, we are we are essentially a community. We've received emails, received direct tweets, we've received you know different ways of people communicating. It's been really cool. Very um, cool. But to make sure that this community grows more and more, it would be great to make sure this podcast is more visible by liking and leaving us a review on all podcast listening apps: Google Play, iTunes, now Spotify. Thank you, Spotify. Castbox. All the things. All the things. So leave us five star reviews. Um, we don't accept anything else. <laughs> if you do, we will find you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also make sure that you, uh, yeah, email us uh, um, at Character Karma Classroom. And also leave us a subscribe and like on YouTube. Be very deeply appreciated. Absolutely. We're back with Spicato after the break. I want to take a quick break and thank my husband, Brian, who's been working behind the scenes producing these episodes every week on all of the platforms and on time. But you need to know that he is first a financial planner for Mission Trails Financial. Mission Trails Financial is a partner that seeks to guide clients in the journey to financial success. They believe that people need a financial advisor that aims to provide strategies for success. Mission Trails Financial helps people navigate investments, tax planning, and insurance. Imagine working with an advisor who isn't tied to specific brands. Mission Trails Financial has a fiduciary responsibility to act in the best interests of their clients by providing independent, objective advice. Their mission is to help clients accomplish their financial goals. As Joe Vitale once said, a goal should scare you a little and excite you a lot. 
Do yourself a favor and set up a time to chat with Mission Trails Financial. Visit www.missiontrailsfinancial.com or call 619-419-0238 to schedule a call. You'll be glad you did. We believe that leaning on professionals is how we get ahead. Check out the program notes for more information. And we're back. And Jonathan has a quick yeah. correction. <laughs> I made it actually boo-boo. I just said November. No, November is uh, Native American uh, History Month. Uh, October. October is uh, Philippine American History Month. Okay. That's when uh, the first Filipinos landed on Morro Bay. So, oh, yeah. I didn't so, know that. Mm-hmm, fun okay. fact. Yeah. Fun fact. Now I know. Yep. All right. Well, I have a spiccato. What you got? A magic wand. So those were uh, not... Dude, <laughs> those who are listening only, uh, Crystal's holding a wand. Um, it has a snowflake, snowflake and a and, a, and heart. a streamer. Yes, um, I got this for my niece for Christmas, oh, and cute. she left it at my house. So she left multiple things. <laughs> she did. She left a trail of destruction in her wake <laughs> with a magical wand. <laughs> with a magical wand, mm-hmm. but she's cute as a button, so it's all okay. Yes, yeah, so a magic wand. Magic wand. A magic what would wand. I do? What would you do? I, I like this one because of the streamers. I have done this response on another one. Okay. Maybe I might just stay, say this and then do something else. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But I feel like the person with a magic wand can do lead a movement. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is following it. And then when they are ready to move on, they give it Pass to the next it person. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what your answer was with the candle. The candle. That's right. It's candle. So maybe for this one. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The person with the wand is the soloist. Okay. Yeah. It's just like pass off the leadership. Yeah, that's what someone thinking right now. That's one thing. Um, or we can have multiple magical wands. I feel like this would be so good for movement while we can't touch. So, like, you could point it to a body part, and then mm. you're, then then someone oh, has to respond, a... like the strings, like, like the marionette activity. Yeah, from David Frigo. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be fun. I like that. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's my answer. Uh, yeah. I just think it'd be fun. Cool. And also, I, I, I feel like the color is just so prevalent. Yeah. That I'm wondering if they had different ones. It's a totally ripped off frozen wand. We didn't get... It's know, also no, blue. No, no sponsored. <laughs> We're not sponsored. <laughs> uh, but it would be cool if we had different streamered ones. Like, mm-hmm. replace streamers with different colors. And then that way we oh. can call colors. <gasps> Everyone else is frozen while... Pun intended, apparently. Frozen. <laughs> Still haven't seen like Frozen 2. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, That's good. So, the, either you or the leader can call out a color. Mm-hmm. And so, if everyone... Those who are in orange are doing the guiding while everyone else is frozen. I like that. And then they call it blue. Everyone blue didn't do it. You could even teach timbre with that because you could have the colors correlate to different timbres. So you mm. could have like the woods, oh, the skins, okay. the metals. That could be very cool. I like it. I like it too. Yeah. What would you do with a magic wand? Let us know. Let us know. At us at CH Classroom. That's right. Round of the week. Our round of the week is precious this week because it's Crystal's birthday. Hi. So happy birthday, Crystal. Thank you. So there are many versions of happy birthday. Mm -hmm. There are many, many, many. Um, Some that are better than others. But uh, this one I learned during our ORF levels Mm -hmm. one when we were wishing happy birthday to both both Dave and Carl Orff. Carl Orff. Yeah. Both both of them were 
did both. Yeah. Just, no. Anyways, um, hi Dave. Uh, so <laughs> let us say happy birthday. I think to you. it's oh thank you. Yes. I do think it's good to have a, a birthday round. It is good in music class. Mm-hmm. Another one of those cultural developing pieces. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm, and if, if mm. I want you to sing along, and I want you to record yourself, and then when you can send it to Crystal at Finny that, but or oh, that would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we we wish you a happy birthday, a joyful and celebrated birthday. Our friend Crystal, we wish you a long, long life. We wish you a happy birthday. We uh, wish me a happy... It's a joyful and celebrated birthday. Oh, man. Shall we do it? For some reason, blessed. Joyful and celebrated birthday. Okay, try it again. Together. We, we wish you a happy birthday. A joyful and celebrated birthday. Our friend Crystal. We wish you a long, long life. We wish you a happy birthday, a we joyful and celebrated birthday. Our friend Crystal, we wish you a long, long life. We wish you a long, long life. Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. So how can they wish you a happy birthday? Where oh, can they contact you? You can contact me at Mrs.Pridmore on Instagram or at Finny Vapa on Twitter. I was not being facetious. You should send yourself saying that to her. Just saying. <laughs> I, that would really be and, fun. And if you listen to this little late, you can do that also afterwards. Still okay. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And you can, uh, if for some reason, you want to send me something. I don't know. You can, uh, <laughs> you can uh, mess me on at Mr. Seligman, M-R-S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N on either Twitter, Instagram, TikTok to be determined. We'll see. Um, and uh, you can at us aggregately communally collectively mm-hmm. at oh. ch classroom nice yeah. <laughs> on all the socials except for youtube it's chaotic Carmen classroom and you can email us at chaotic Carmen classroom at gmail.com thank you so much thanks for listening happy birthday thanks bye, bye. The Chaotic Harmony Podcast is a joint project between Crystal Pridmore and Jonathan Seligman. You can find us online at chaoticharmonyclassroom.com. You can email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail and let us know what you think. Give us feedback about what you would like to hear in future episodes. We're on all the socials. Find us on facebook.com slash chaoticharmonyclassroom. You can find us on Twitter at chclassroom, Instagram at chaoticharmonyclassroom, and you can even find our episodes on YouTube. Chaotic Harmony is the name of of our channel. Special thanks to Brian Pridmore for his help with production and equipment. www.pridmoria.com. <laughs>